confession of faith. So stand with me and honor the reading of God's Word, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 through 10. Now watch closely. Though he were a son, yet learned, everybody say learned, he, obedience, everybody say obedience, by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author, say the author, of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We pray that you'll open our eyes, that we can see our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the Word of God says to us. And then might we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, we ask you to speak to us today directly from the throne room of God as the man in the Godhead bodily, and that as you speak to us, we will be made to know, do, understand, and demonstrate as we surrender ourselves to hearing you. Sanctify us, Father, as we yield. We'll receive it. We'll release it to your people. We thank you for it all in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, today um, we're going to begin to speak concerning faith. Faith is going to take a trend that you probably have never identified. Faith is going to send you in a direction of which we don't teach in our modern day teachings because faith is going to be tied with this word we saw in verse 8 called obedience. We saw in verse 9 being referred to as obeying him. So for us to understand faith, we have to understand the connection between obedience and faith. If we miss the obedience part, then faith will not connect correctly. Obedience is essential. Now, our world today is uh, connecting faith into areas that almost have a humanistic idea because faith can become anything I want it to be. I can say in faith anything I want. And God is supposed to do and complete whatever it is I say. However, that faith perspective has not accomplished what it is that they tell us it will accomplish because we are not expressing faith from the correct perspective. So if we cannot operate in obedience, then faith becomes a humanistic system of beliefs. Jesus was the author and the finisher of our faith. I don't know who typed that. <laughs> the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us exactly how he wrote the volume of faith. Now, I want you to notice it. It's on the scripture. Yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Jesus Christ wrote, authored faith. 
He is the author and the finisher of it. So I begin to ask myself the question, how did he author and finish your faith? Did he just author it and finish it, roll it out there and say, you use it however you want to? Did he author it and finish it and say, all right, now here it is, get rich? Is that what he did? But we know that's not so. So we, we need to find out how to use faith because the blood that activates grace, the application of Jesus Christ himself, of which Paul told us in Galatians 2.20, he lives by the faith of the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. So faith is attached to Jesus Christ. We cannot get around that. Grace is attached to Jesus Christ. We cannot get around that. Grace is the actual application of Jesus Christ into the meeting of every need. Now we can understand why Paul said, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory because grace was himself. Now faith also was Jesus Christ. Faith did not rise up as a word out of the blue. That's how everybody wants grace to look in our day. They want grace to rise up as a standalone word that can be applied wherever they want it to be applied to however they want it to be applied to allow them to not have to be obedient. Huh? Let me say that one more time. We in our modern culture of church have used grace under the inaccurate, incorrect, and irresponsible method of saying we do not have to be obedient to the Word of God, to the one who is grace. We don't have to listen to Him because grace will take care of everything. Wow, wow, wow. So the application of grace eliminates the need for you to live a life of obedience. That's wrong teaching, friend. That's wrong application, friend. How do I know it? Because Jesus said in John 14, 21, he that loveth me keeps my commandment. And by that I know that he loves me and my father loves him. Why? Because he keeps his commandment. He keeps and is obedient to what God has declared that you and me must be obedient to in order to live under the grace that is Jesus Christ. Obedience is key. Obedience is key to your faith. There are those that teach that you do not need to be obedient to be saved. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I love you. That is a mental ascent that says, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you were. I believe you died on the cross. But I ain't got to follow you. I don't have to live like you live. I don't have to think like you live. I don't have to walk in the suffering of which you walked in because you applied grace to me. Well, my friend, grace is an application of him. Grace is not being done in a haphazard way of being able to say, I got saved, so now my the sin that I do, he doesn't look at anymore. Because it's always coupled with obedience. Let me take you back to my scripture. Look at it. 
Though he were yet a son, were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. Now look at that. Can't miss it. Can't miss it. Can't look away from it. Can't stick your head in the sand and say it ain't so. Under them that obey him. Obedience is paramount. Obedience is the place that allows faith to be applied in the blood and by grace through that obedient faith that will change and transform your life out of darkness into the glorious light of his dear son. Now, who is his dear son? He be grace. He is grace. And if you're going to serve God, then you're going to come with God with a disposition and an attitude of obedience. That obedience is not going to allow you to cloak your sin by saying grace has taken care of it all. Not going to cloak your sin that way, my friend. Not going to come into the house of God Stand up in the house of God, sing a few songs, listen to an old washed up, dried up preacher that preached the same thing last year and the year before that on this same date. Get up and go out of here and talk about I'm on my way to heaven and the journey gets sweeter every day. Ain't going to do it. Ain't going to work like that. Not happening, brothers. Disobedience will drive you into a position where you will alienate yourself from the very one who died for you. Now let's look and see. He learned obedience. You are going to learn obedience as well. He came to understand obedience was meant to be submission. That's what obedience is. I submit to him. The common grace doctrine says I don't have to submit to anybody. I just have to believe. Once I say I believe, grace takes care of everything. Fooey hogwash, irresponsible teaching. I, I, let me say it again. Fooey hogwash, irresponsible teaching. Irresponsible. Because it does not bring you under the scripture. The scripture says that he learned obedience. Because of the things he suffered. What does he suffer? Well, let's look. He suffered from being despised and rejected of men. But our grace world says live like them, look like them, act like them, talk like them, think like them, go like them, be like them. Whatever they is, you can be. Because grace covers you. But Jesus wasn't like that. When he went, they despised his person. They rejected him. Let's look at what else. He was offended and mocked and lied about. My friend, anybody that's going to live for Jesus Christ is going to have someone stand up and call them a liar. Someone stand up and call them uh, as being out of perspective with the Word of God. I listened to something yesterday on a man that was a wonderful word, uh, a, a man who was a wonderful man of God. Because he made a comment. The world turned on him like that. 
Why? Because they don't understand that we are not living in a perspective that matches the world's desires. The world wants to sin. They want to gravitate groups and say sinning is okay. The world wants to look around and say, come on over here. We don't draw lines. We draw circles. We include everybody. How do we do it? We do it by grace. You know grace covers everything. Huh? Fooey, hogwash, irresponsible teaching. Grace is the application. Obedience is the surrender to the application of grace. It begins with how you get saved. You surrender to the application of the death, the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed to trigger how grace would be applied to your life. Oh, glory to God. Now then, by obedience, I say yes and amen. Huh? This is truth about God's word. And the world is winding up headed on a quick spin cycle to hell because we want to include everybody and we want to tell everybody that you just don't worry about it. God loves you too much. He ain't going to send you to no hell. Surely not. But we forget about truth, don't we? The divine side of God where justice will always prevail. He was abandoned by his friend Judas. I've been abandoned by friends. Matter of fact, I was out on the golf course the other day playing by myself as I do whenever I go out to spend my time most of the time in prayer with God and do exercise. And I realized I don't have any close friends, not, not anybody that is right here in the human. I don't have anybody. And I want to say this just so we'll know. I don't want anybody. I don't want anybody. You would say, why, Mike? Because I don't want the distractions. I don't want the distractions. I don't want them to come in and distract me from my time with God. I, I, I teach a job where I ain't got no distractions. When they come in my room, they go over there and sit down. I don't bother them. They don't bother me. No distractions. Your world ain't like that. Your world is a distraction a second. Everything you do is heaped in distractions. But I don't want that because I want to have intimate time operating in the application of grace and being obedient to the Word of God. That's what I want out of my life. Someone said, are you saying we shouldn't have no friend? I ain't saying nothing about you. I'm talking about me. Why? Because I've got a ministry and an anointing and an understanding of the blood and grace and obedience and faith that the world does not have. How do you know it, Pastor? Look at to your right and look to your left. What do you see? Empty seats, right? For us to have a big day at church here, we've got 45 people. For the other denominations to have a big church, 
a, a big day, they'll probably have three or four, five hundred. Why? Because everybody's going to heaven in their chair. Nobody has to live by obedience. Nobody has to look around and say, I have to submit myself to Jesus Christ as the king. I have to submit myself to grace and allow Jesus Christ to be committed to me and to be applied to me. And as I'm applying myself to him, I'm going to suffer a little bit. What am I going to suffer? I'm going to have to walk away from some friends. I'm going to have to walk away from some people. I might have to walk away from a job. I might have to walk away from places that I wanted to go that I will not go anymore, that I enjoyed going that I ain't doing no more. I might have to suffer a little bit in this walk of submission. But when I get on the other side of that suffering, I'm going to find out that I have come in to the eternal salvation of which he offered. And he was glad to bring me in. See, that's what we're talking about here. Everybody cannot be everything. Everybody cannot live a life in the world as being compared to, operating by, thinking alike, being Mr. Popular. Well, we're going to suffer a little bit. The means to suffer is not by grace. The means to suffer is by obedience. Now you consider where you are. He suffered from looking into Jerusalem. He loved Jerusalem and he loved the Jew. He suffered there. He suffered by the abandonment of those men that were closest to him. You see? You see that? He suffered as a man who was full of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He suffered under the burden of rebellion and rejection. My God, if I was to suffer under the burden and look at rebellion and rejection more than I looked at the applied grace of Jesus Christ and learning obedience to him, I'd have quit preaching long ago. If I suffered under this mental issue with being rejected and people saying, I don't like what you're saying. I don't like what you're preaching. I don't like what it is you're giving the people. I don't like it, so I ain't coming to your church. If I suffered under that, well, bless God, I'd have quit preaching a long time ago. But I don't suffer from a phobia about rejection. I don't suffer from a phobia about rebellion. Here is the thing that I suffer under. I suffer under the God-given charge to preach truth. To preach truth. Did you hear what I said? To preach truth. Now watch the difference. On the one hand, I could change my ministry. I could stand behind a pulpit. I could read you a nice message. I could tell you about what's going on today. 
I could give you a motivational speech, given millions of them, I imagine. I could tell you psychologically something that might turn you on for a minute. I could make you feel better. I, I, I could preach a message in a very low tone. And I could say, God loves you just like you are. Right where you are. Come as you are. Don't worry about a thing. Because when Jesus comes, don't worry. He's going to take you to be with him, and there's going to be but a joy there. And if you heard that message, you would say, boy, that's the preacher I want to hear. And the seats would fill up. The seats would fill up. We've had them come in here and say, but we love you preaching. We don't like the Holy Ghost. So we ain't coming back. But we like your preaching. But we don't like this, that, or the other about your church, so we ain't coming back. You know what I say? I see four doors and a parking lot, and I'm sure you've got a key to one of those cars. Hit the bricks. Someone said, that ain't very loving. Listen, my friend. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the anointing. I believe in laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. I believe in preaching truth. I believe that grace applied changes lives. Everybody don't believe that. Therefore, the world is in utter chaos because of it. Our church world is in chaos because of it. We can't figure out whether men should preach, women should preach, or who is a man and who is a woman. We can't figure that out in the church today. Yeah, we can come up with a message that everybody wants to hear. But is that a message that God is sending us? Jesus said you were going to suffer a little. Why, why? Why did he say that? Why did he say you were going to suffer a little bit? Because he suffered. He suffered by being rejected of men. He suffered by absolutely uh, being despised by men, being mocked by men, being virtually on the edge of the cliff ready to be thrown over the edge by men. Jesus said you were going to suffer too. He said in this world you will have tribulation. In this world you will have trial. In this world, there's going to come a day whenever you're going to face some persecution. But then he said the words that are so real in John 16, he said, don't worry about it. Be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. What a message he has given. If he has stood there, what we have preached in the church cannot be true. Because we have preached, don't worry about your sin. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about being obedient. Do what you want to, when you want to, and be very comfortable in your surroundings. Go to church and hear a comfortable message. Listen to that voice that motivates you. And then you go on out and live like you want to. Spend your money here, but go out and live like you want to. Come back next week and don't forget your wallet. That's what we're teaching now. That's what we're preaching now from the pulpit.
Everybody included, no problems, no issues. Not the word of God. It's unfortunate, but it's not the word of God. We have literally put ourselves to sleep with regard to truth, the divine side of Jesus Christ. We have put ourselves into a trance where we say everything's all, there ain't going to be no suffering, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the fact that there'll ever be a day of suffering for the Christian. Oh, it's not going to happen. Not in an American community. Not in an American society. Not in an American way of life. No, ain't nobody going to bother you. We're letting every religion and all, everybody just ah, get along. Huh? When does light have any sense of joint operation with darkness. You tell me that. No, my friends, we don't want to be obedient. We don't want to understand that Jesus suffered. We want to be comfortable. How did he suffer? What did he suffer for? So that he could learn obedience. What did obedience do for him? It wrote the book. Now, who was he obedient to? Now, I heard a great man just yesterday say, you know, I never preached the word of God. I preached countless thousands of times. I never preached the word of God. I preached what I heard someone say about the word of God. I preached what, what I heard them say or I read that someone wrote. I never preached the word of God. This was a prominent man. He was a man of great stature. But having never preached the word, only hearsay, it wasn't until the very end of his life that he ever came into revelation and he realized hearsay was wrong. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, built obedience by something, because of something, through something. And this is important that you understand this. Now, I know I only have five minutes, but I'll come back to this topic next week. Jesus built obedience through something. In John chapter 5 and verse 30, he built obedience through hearing the voice of God. Now, isn't it strange that the one who is grace and is truth, of whose blood we are saved, and by whose faith we even come into this whole thing, of whom we must obey because we must parrot, follow his obedience, followed a voice. He followed a voice. John 5 and 30 says that he heard what the Father said. And we want to say that it is impossible for us to hear from heaven knowing that Jesus Christ himself told us we would. Jesus told us we would hear his voice and the Holy Ghost would be the one who would parrot and speak what he said from his position as the man in the Godhead bodily. 
But we don't want to hear that. Why? Because we want to cover everything in grace. We don't want to have obedience. We just want to have a covering. In other words, we want to be a visitor. We want to be a visitor into the throne room of God. We don't want to be a dweller. We want to be a, a visitor. But Jesus himself built eternal salvation and built the book of faith, the authorship of faith, and the finishing of faith from a voice, from what he heard. Then he built that voice, according to John 12, 47 through 50, through the things that he had seen. So he put a voice with what he saw. He put a voice with what he know, knew to be true. Now where do you think he lived? In obedience to what? Listen carefully. To the voice he heard and to the things he saw. Now how does that apply to me and you? How does that apply to our faith? Well, we have the opportunity in Jesus Christ to do the exact same thing. We have the voice that has been promised, promised to us as him speaking through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit not doing anything of his own, but only speaking exactly what he said he would speak and showing us things that are to come. Then we have the word of God of which we can see how he functioned and how he taught the new church to function. And then from those two elements, we build obedience. We obey the word. Now, my mother is gone and I miss her. I miss her every day. But I'm going to tell you about my mother. When my mother spoke, let me tell you, every eye in the room went like this. When my mother said, don't do it, every eye in the room said, I watched her take a man one time about six feet, two inches tall, and you know she was short enough to go under that chair without bumping her head. He said something to my sister, and they, he began to order my sister around, and my mother turned around, looked up at him and said, sit down and shut up. You're going nowhere. You know what he did? That's obedience. That's obedience. When a voice speaks that has authority, that's when you obey. That voice is Jesus Christ. He speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. This is how Jesus operated everything that he did. Nothing ever happened haphazardly to Jesus. It was orchestrated by the voice of the Father who was ministering through him. And as they came to him lame and blind and hungry and even dead, when the Father spoke, he applied the Father's voice. Now watch this now through the grace of which he came with. Did you hear what I just said? He applied the Father's voice through the grace of which John 
114 said he was full of. Now, my friend, we're going to have to make some very hard decisions about how we are to live this Christian life. I haven't even begun to talk about the faith portion because if the obedience portion is out of position, faith to you becomes a humanistic work. It becomes a work of your own personal desires, not a spiritual work. If obedience is out of position and you have not learned to obey and then learning to obey through the suffering of abandonment of the world, then faith to you is nothing more than your personal desire. Now, I want you to consider that for just a second before I move on. Faith is nothing to you more than your personal desire. Now, what is your personal desire identified as by Paul in Galatians chapter 5? It's called lust of the eye. Lust of the flesh, the pride of life. The undergirding factor that causes faith to work is when you are in submission to the man of grace. And then all of a sudden, the blood activates him, grace. Obedience now in you applies that grace and by faith, you begin to manifest. Now watch this now. What did he say in John 14, 21? He said, and I will manifest myself to him. So what is manifesting to me? Whatever I'm applying him to. Now think of that. So am I applying him to healing? Yes, sir. Am I applying him to <coughs> my marriage? Yes, sir. Am I applying him to my job? Yes, sir. How did I do this? Because I obeyed him. I didn't obey my lust. I didn't obey my desires. I didn't obey my flesh. I didn't obey my pride. I obeyed him. Once I obey him, faith can be applied. And anything that faith can be appropriated to, it can be accessed. And it will manifest him. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I praise you today. I pray that we will take on to ourselves truth about what submission is and how grace works and what the blood has done for us. And we will begin to obey you Submit to you. Commit to you. Deny ourselves, our own lust, and our pride. Follow you as a suffering servant, knowing that you have promised us that you have overcome and that we can walk in cheer because you are victor over the world, death, hell, and the grave. Now, Father, we worship you today. I pray submission in every heart. I pray as they look into 
themselves right now, they ask the question, what in me has not been obedient to you? Have I been obedient in church attendance? As the word of Hebrews said, assembling yourself together, forsaking it not. Have I been obedient in study of the word of God? Showing to self our, our self-approved, rightly dividing the divine part, the word of truth. Have I been obedient in applying grace to myself in the correct way? So that grace can bring me the freedom of my will so that my will becomes yours. The freedom of thought so that my mind becomes the mind of Christ. The freedom of vision so that everywhere and everything I do and everything I see, I see from the perspective of what you are showing me. What about my hearing? Have I submitted my hearing to you? Am I hearing the word and the ministry? What about my connection to the house of God? Am I looking for reasons not to come to church? Am I looking for things to be wrong in the church or with the church that keeps me out of the house of God? What is it about the anointing that I refuse? What is it about this journey that I'm not walking in as I should? Much to be said, much to be considered, much to ponder. But only you know what's in your heart. Only you know the reasons why you've done what you've done. Why you have chosen to do the things that you have chosen to do. Only you know that in truth. And you also know that the truth of it is that you're consuming it upon your own lust. Now if you'll pray with me, God will relieve you. God will build you. And you won't have to suffer with that anymore. You'll be able to walk in obedience and stop manipulating your world and watch faith through the grace of Him apply Himself into your world. Manifest it because you have come under obedience. Father, forgive me for my misrepresentation of truth. Father, forgive me because I have not been obedient. Pray it with me. Father, forgive me for I have not been obedient. I know there are things in my life I have not been obedient to. I know that, God. I am aware of that, and I ask you to forgive me of that, and I want you to apply Jesus Christ as grace into my life and into my heart and manifest Him as grace in me applied to my life 
and bring about a light that changes me out of darkness. Bring about a life, light, that not only lifts me out of darkness in my spiritual self, but in my mental self. So that I don't have to live in fear. So that I don't have to live in bondage. So that I don't have to live in a position where I am jerked around by the devil. No, no, you said that where those common things would come into our lives, that you would make a way of escape. And today I've heard this preacher tell me how to escape. And that is to be obedient to the grace that is manifested in him. So I take it. I believe it. It belongs to me. I see it. Now I'm free. I'm free. I will bring my heart under conviction at the moment whenever I see another second of disobedience in my life. I will bring it under submission. I will bring my body under submission. I will bring my thought under submission. I will bring my fear under submission. I will bring my lust under submission. I will bring my pride under submission. At the very second that it crops its dirty, nasty head up, I will cut it off and say, no, 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 no. I have a way of escape manifested to me, and I'm going to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Yes. Now stand to your feet, lift your hands and take it. Father, we receive it today. We take it today in the name of Jesus. We worship you today in the name of Jesus. We honor you today in the name of Jesus. We glory in you today in the name of Jesus. We receive freedom today in the name of Jesus. We come out of bondage today in the name of Jesus. We walk today now in the newness of life. That is developed by obedience. When we stood to our feet, God, we said to you, we lay down yesterday. We walk away from yesterday. We walk away from who we were. And now we stand today clean, purged, refined by the word of truth. And as the word of truth has come to us, we now walk in that. Grace has been manifested in our hearts belongs to me. I praise you for it. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Now those of you that are listening by YouTube, Lifting My Radio podcast or by our Facebook. I want you to hear the Word of God. Because it is the Word of God and the Word of God only that makes you free. It's the Word of God and the Word of God only that makes you free. Obedience is the made part of 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God hath made him. How did he make him? By his obedience. He made him that. For God hath made him who knew no sin to be made sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. Made. Obedience is the made part from your obedience that you're going to be made into the righteousness of God. Every man, woman, boy, and girl is going to stand before him someday. They're going to give an account. They're going to give an account for the things that brought them into bondage, for the things that kept them in fear. They're going to give an account. 
when freedom by applied grace and obedience to the truth was available, I pray today that you will come into that obedience and walk into this grace walk and that he would manifest himself to you by grace and your faith might appropriate every part of him. Father, minister. Minister to hearts, minister to lives, save souls. Bring us to truth, God. Bring us to truth, God. Bring us to truth. Bring us into the divine picture of what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. And then may we live and think every second of every day about how we might obey the man that was full of grace and truth. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. May God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night, tonight at 6 o'clock. I'll be teaching on um, legalism versus grace and truth. Don't miss it. May God bless you as you have a great week.